We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey Chargers fans, the Chargers have a very big job to do in these next couple weeks. They're going to try to find a coach that takes them to the Super Bowl. But you have a very big job these next few weeks too. Valentine's Day is right around the corner and your mother's starting to get a little bit concerned about whether you'll find Mrs. or Mr. Right in your life. So... I got a couple tips for you. One, you got to stop being so socially awkward and anxious and stop listening to so many podcasts like I do. But two, you got to go to manscaped.com and use the code word guilty for 20% off to get you the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0. I mean, this thing works wonders down there or wherever you want to shave, and I think it'll help you a little bit in the bedroom. But you can use the code word guilty to get 20% off your first purchase. Again, get the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0. It's helped me, Steven, and Tyler a lot, and it can help you this Valentine's Day season as well. Hey, Charger fans, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. We're coming to you live on Sunday evening. It was a fun week for me personally, being able to watch the Senior Bowl and then uh, getting one last college football game, so to speak. We only have one football game left of the season, which is kind of sad and also kind of exciting because then you get draft season, free agency and all that. Uh, So definitely an exciting time uh, to be a football fan. And we have a good show for you guys today. We're going to talk about the Senior Bowl talk about some of the trades uh, that went down this weekend with Matthew Stafford, uh, and then also talk about or- the Orlando Brown, Orlando Brown, Orlando Brown situation. I have Lord of the Rings in the back. You're thinking Orlando Bloom. There we go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, definitely have a good show for you guys planned today. And uh, before we get started, we'll start uh, coming back to my guys, Alex and Tyler. Alex, how are you doing today, dude? 
Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, better than Jared Goff, I think, generally speaking. Uh, getting shipped yeah. to Detroit, um, you know, probably wasn't great for him, but. Uh, I, I think I'm doing uh, relatively well, and I, I've I've heard the I've seen the YouTube comments. Uh, the mic is on the way; it will arrive, uh, I think, tomorrow. Uh, so, future YouTube videos and all that uh, will be better sound quality. You have been heard loud and clear. <laughs> there we go. Good stuff, man. Tyler, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm looking at the date right now, and this time last year, you, Jason, and I were all embarking on this little adventure not knowing what we do i think our first episode was february 4th so um happy early anniversary steven we've only had one divorce and then a <laughs> what do you call it a break with me so break, yeah. a relationship's a little rocky to start out but we're okay now <laughs> i like where we're at right now yeah man happy anniversary what a what a crazy thing to think about you know and I think our first episode was like an hour and a half long and we got to interview yeah. yogi roth which is crazy so so good times for sure um, all right. Well, let, let's talk about the senior bowl because I've, you know, I've been able to watch some of the practice film and watch a lot. Obviously I, I you know, we all watched the game on Saturday. Um, Mac Jones, really, I want to start with him. He didn't play in the game, but I felt like watching practices that he was far and away the best quarterback in practice. You know, we saw a lot of the same issues that Felipe Franks and Ian book and, uh, even Kellen Mond had in the game. All of those showed up during the week in practice. Jamie Newman is another one. Um, so I felt like Mac Jones really went down to Mobile and separated himself from the pack. And that's really what you want to see from a quarterback like him in that kind of situation. You know, he didn't have Devontae Smith. He didn't have Jalen Waddell. Uh, he did have a couple of his linemen, but he didn't have, you know, five-star recruits all across the board up front in front of him in practice. Uh, and I thought he played really well as a decision maker. He, he's quick. He's very similar to Tua in terms of play style, uh, which is kind of funny because, you know, there wasn't really a drop off from Tua to Mac Jones. Um, but I want to talk about him in terms of maybe him being selected before the Chargers. I think we might see a crazy run on quarterbacks this year that we haven't really seen, maybe even the five quarterbacks taken. And then obviously, you know, that uh, warrants conversation about potentially trading back, you know, and someone trading up to get Mac Jones. Um, so what do you guys make of, of Mac Jones in general and the, the, the possibilities that, and how this affects the chargers? I think Mac Jones is a really good quarterback, but he, I think through college, the knock on him was athleticism, right. In an era where everyone wants to have a quarterback who, who's a dual threat. Uh, Mac Jones is not that, (laughs) you know, he runs, he runs a four nine. Uh, he's a quarterback who I think 10 years ago like could have been the number one pick like that era was someone like Matthew Stafford, you know, going number one. Um, but, you know, Mac Jones is probably going to be a mid first round pick. Uh, I think that that's a, a good estimate of him uh, behind guys like uh, Trevor Lawrence, Wilson Fields. Uh, I, I kind of like him better than Wilson, but I think he'll fall in that kind of range after Lance probably as far as going before the Chargers. I don't really know if I see a natural fit there because I, I think Trey Lance is still going to go before him. Uh, so I think that that he'll wind up in Denver, maybe Detroit. And then after those two, it's Dallas and New York, maybe San Francisco, I guess, if they don't get anything done uh, at the quarterback position and they cut Garoppolo, that there's potential there. 
but I think you're looking at some of the teams below uh, the Chargers, potentially New England, um, Chicago, I guess, can make a move. Washington can make a move. Uh, so I think those are the guys that you're looking as as potential trade down candidates for the Chargers. Yeah, I think what we might be want to be want to vote or root for the Niners to pick up Deshaun Watson because I think if they are set at quarterback then I really think the Chargers were in a good spot to trade back. I haven't watched any Mac Jones outside of the, the national championship game. Yeah. I didn't watch a lot of football this year, sorry. Um, <laughs> but his stock seems to be going way up during you know that game, being a national champion, good senior bowl. Watching some of these receivers, I've watched more receivers. Like Some of them have really bad quarterbacks. Like There's some really bad quarterback play out there. And I know not all these guys are declaring yeah. for the draft, but it's like, you might really want to take your guy early. And if Mac Jones is there, like there's not after him and, and Trey Lance, I guess. I don't know who who else is around Mond. I didn't think he looked that good. So um, I could see guys trading up for him. I mean, yeah, you, know, you said Washington, Chicago, Indy, like there is a chance this happens. And I, I would prefer depending on who's there, I guess, but there's a lot of players you could take, even if the charges went back to 18, that I would still take it like 13. As yeah. You take a corner, you take one of the linemen. If at that point you drop back to like 20, 21, and you want to take an interior offensive lineman, great. I'm fine with that too. So um, I don't know if there's going to be really like a standout prospect at 13 or at least enough of them where you can't also find a guy like that at like 18. So trade back sounds pretty good to me right now. Yeah, you know, I think that the value with Mac Jones is there in terms of trading back, I think, because, you know, we we know that the Colts are, are looking for a new quarterback. We know that the Steelers probably need to address the situation behind Big Ben. Uh, there were seven teams trying to trade for Matthew Stafford, including Washington. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know about Detroit, whether they'll take a quarterback, you know, now that, now that they have Goff, uh, that's still kind of up in the air. But, you know, there's a, a lot of teams that need quarterbacks. And so if the Chargers are sitting there uh, and like, you, you know, you mentioned the Niners, the Niners take Trey Lance at 12 and somebody is really feeling the need to trade it to get Mac Jones then I think the Chargers should 100% do that because I think it's in their best interest. You know, you trade down to 19 with the Washington football team, and then you kind of just sit there and take whichever best offensive lineman is available, whether that's Elijah Vera Tucker, Wyatt Davis, Liam Eikenberg, you know, and then you can, you know, stockpile more picks because, you know, the getting more picks this year is the best year to do it because of the salary cap and being able to have, you know, 10 rookies instead of, seven i think that would be a big help for the chargers so um you know i I think there are going to be there's going to be a lot of movement which we saw over the weekend in terms of quarterbacks and and like seven teams trying to trade for matthew stafford man that's just crazy and it's unheard of Uh, i guess we can get to the matthew stafford trade now um what did you guys it kind of blew up man like i was shocked that it was the rams i was shocked that it happened this weekend uh, Tyler, what'd you make of the Matthew Stafford trade in general? Um, uh, I was, I was shocked. I really didn't think it would come around this fast. And I, I didn't like the Rams make sense, you know, them not wanting a first round pick. That's their thing. That's how they roll. And so sure. Like if they don't think Goff's the guy, it makes sense for them to upgrade at Stafford. I think as painful as this is that the chargers maybe should have explored trading, not trading Philip Rivers or trading Philip Rivers, but moving on from Philip Rivers a few years ago in 2017, as much as that hurts me to say, as much as, you know, I'm sure we're going to get 14 dislikes from it. You know, <laughs> the fact that they could have moved on from him and had Deshaun Watson, like, 
I don't know, man. I'm kind of envious of the fact that you know, the Lions could pull off this trade. And now Stafford didn't want to be there. I think Rivers wanted to obviously be with the Chargers for a few more years, but I'm I'm kind of jealous, man. I kind of wish that he had a few more first round picks and Deshaun Watson or something like that would have been fun. Yeah, um, I, I think this was kind of a slam dunk trade for the Rams. Like, I, I just yeah. thought it was really good. Um, the reality with golf was this was going to be Super Bowl or bust territory anyway. So yep. if you can get a quarterback who's better than golf over this next two or three year window, I think you do it. Um, you know, people talk about first round picks, but they already have a lot of their guys that they need. You know, Jalen Ramsey's and Aaron Donald's a lot of their, you know, high picks already that came from other teams or they took internally. So, and they're really good at developing sort of that uh, undrafted free agent talent or, you know, that lower round of the draft talent. So I think that that's, um, I think it's good for them. And Stafford is definitely, I think, an upgrade over golf. He fits McVay's system more. And, uh, you know, I, I think the biggest thing was, you know, once the coach, once the coach decides you're not the franchise quarterback anymore, you know, there, there's no fixing that. And I know yep. people will be like, oh, the Rams made this move because of Herbert and the Chargers. I was like, not really, though. I mean, <laughs> I think that this I think his bed was made once his relationship with McVay deteriorated. Right. Yeah. And that really determined the whole thing. So. I think this is a great trade for the Rams. I, I guess you could say win-win for the Lions because they get this stockpile of picks, but you know they got to hold Jared Goff for two years, and I, I don't really like that for a rebuilding team. But um, it's all right. It, it's a good deal for them, I guess, just for the picks and the rebuild factor. But I don't know. I, I thought that this was a great trade for the Rams, especially going against some of these top-tier quarterbacks in the playoffs. I think Matthew Stafford is the top ten guy when he's healthy. Yeah. Um, so that was the that was it for the trade for for me at the end of the day. Yeah, you know, I think if you can get your hands on an elite quarterback, you do that ten times out of ten. And you know, I I realized how many people don't realize how good Matthew Stafford is this weekend. And you know, I. He, before he hurt his back this year, he was on pace for 5,000 yards and 38 touchdowns. So, you know, he's he's super talented, and, and he's always been this highly productive player. It's just that he's been in Detroit with no running game, no defense, terrible coaching, and now he's going from, you know, the Matt Patricia era to Sean McVay, and the Sean McVay system is, you know, the most quarterback-friendly system out there, and so – you know, I tweeted this out earlier, but as soon as those odds for MVP come out, I'm putting some money down on Matthew Stafford because I think that him in that system and him being able to have a running game, a good offensive line, a good defense. I know the defense is going to be a little bit up in the air because of obviously Brandon Staley, but you know, I think the Rams are shooting their shot. They think that they're contenders. They think that they are a quarterback away from winning a Super Bowl. And I think this is the time to do it. You know, you don't know how long Tom Brady is going to play for. Drew Brees is retiring. There's a window right now to to take advantage of this NFC championship potential and they're swinging for the fences. And I think that, you know, they're going to have a good couple of years with Matthew Stafford. Uh, I think he probably has like three or four years left of prime Matthew Stafford. Uh, and then we'll see eventually, you know, they're going to have to make some first round picks eventually, but you know, until they stop developing quality mid round pick players like Cooper cup and all those guys, you know, they're fine as long as they can keep, doing that but uh i think this is a no-brainer for the rams as well it's going to be a really I, i'm really curious to see how they do now that all their coaches have not all their coaches but 
Many, basically all their coaches, man. <laughs> yeah, basically all their coaches, but McVay left. And so, you know, thankfully they have Stafford. That's pretty plug and play in my opinion. But, you know, now you don't have those first round picks and you're not going to have those first round picks. Yeah. A lot of coaches, like, you know, you just elevated a lot of guys and hope it works out. So, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I will say it's also a win for the Chargers because I did not want Matthew Stafford with the Broncos. And I don't know what yeah. the Broncos were thinking. What core of players did they <laughs> was so much better like, oh man! I would have traded Sutton, Judy, you know, and and Locke. Like, well, you want to hold on to Locke for another year? I mean, instead of Stafford, like, what the hell? Yeah, you know that the Broncos. I've always respected them for how good their defense is consistently, no matter what the talent. And if you added those guys like that, and maybe Miller returns, I don't know what his um, issue is currently. Yeah. Um, but if Stafford return went to the Broncos, I mean, they'd be a really good team. So yeah, I don't know what they were thinking. Maybe they want their Mac Jones, their Trey Lance, whatever. But I think it's a it's a win for the Chargers too. I mean, the reality for the Broncos is that Matthew Stafford fell is two inches shorter than six five, which does not <laughs> meet John Elway's height requirement. Um, so that was that was the nail in the coffin there. But yeah. <laughs> I did think it was funny that he said any team other than New England. New England. To I avoid love that so much. Um, yeah, I mean, I want to invite Matthew Stafford on the podcast just for that. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Like the Patriots, um, but yeah, no, I, I think it's just um, an interesting thing with like when, uh, golf and Wentz and all these guys, and I'm curious to see how it affects the quarterback market kind of going forward, yeah. um, and quarterbacks getting these kind of extensions when teams like aren't sure if they're the guy or not. Um, you know, if you don't have like a Mahomes or Watson type uh, prospect, you know, do you extend them or is it going to be more common instead of giving them that extension to just go through four years and, and move on? So I'm curious how that, I guess, affects things more uh, than like, I guess, the meaty part of the trade that people care about. But I'm just curious how it affects the economics of football going forward. Yeah, I think that's a good call because, you know, the 49ers and the Rams were in, you know, basically the same kind of situation with a really good team around a, a quarterback who, you know, if the pieces around him are really good, then they can do well. And, you know, Daniel Jeremiah pointed this out of his comparison of, of trucks versus trailers, you know, a quarterback that can carry a team or a quarterback that needs to be carried. Um, and, and I think, you know, teams that paid up for their trailers are, are really kind of feeling it right now. And, you know, the 49ers are, are I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know if they'll be able to pull off a Deshaun Watson trade, uh, but they need to upgrade the quarterback position. And obviously the Rams felt the same way too. So uh, I think everything <laughs> is on the table right now. Uh, and I'm curious to see if this, if this affects Dak Prescott at all, because, you know, whether or not the Cowboys try and franchise him again or try and trade him maybe, or, you know, how that extension plays out. Uh, I feel like that's, after the Deshaun Watson thing, I feel like the Dak Prescott situation is the next big domino to fall in the league. Do you think that's they're going to not extend him? Or do you think there's a chance that they trade him? I don't know if there's a chance that they trade him. I, I think uh -huh. there's a chance that he might ask to be traded. Mm, um, gotcha. You know, there was a lot of reports that he kind of felt disrespected by the contract, the way that sure. his contract negotiation went. And rightfully so, right? Like, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, he was a fourth round draft pick making less than a million dollars a year or whatever. And the Cowboys are, were kind of lowballing him. So I don't know, man. I, I just think in general, like, that's the next big domino to fall after Deshaun Watson, which just becomes a messier situation by the day. 
Um, but yeah. I, I'm just like Alex said, the economics of the quarterback position has changed tremendously over the weekend because of the Matthew, Matthew Stafford trade. Uh, the Colts. Uh, I know that you are sad that you missed out on this big white quarterback, but I have another big white quarterback that I can interest you in. We'll there give you, you as many first round picks as you want to take them. Just please fucking take them. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, my guy, Brian Johnson, I'm so happy for him, you know, being getting that quarterback coach job in the NFL. Uh, I think he's going to do a fantastic job with whichever quarterback they choose. Apparently he's got a great relationship with Jalen hurts, but a uh, big shout out to my guy, Brian Johnson, uh, Utah legend. So uh, let, let's get to this other situation, you know, potentially evolving in Baltimore with Orlando Brown jr. The offensive tackle um, for those who don't know, he was a third round pick for the Ravens out of Oklahoma. He's played right tackle for the first year years of his career. And he switched to left tackle midseason this year because Ronnie Stanley, uh, I want to say tore his ACL or something like that. And he had some season ending injury. Uh, and Orlando Brown has been to the Pro Bowl last year and this year. He's been, when he was at right tackle last year, he was one of the best right tackles in the game. He was very good at left tackle. Obviously, you know, the, the way that the players stack up, he wasn't, you know, equally as good, but he's still a very highly productive player at his position. And uh, he tweeted out that he thinks he's a left tackle. And, you know, there was a bunch of trade speculation going out there because the Ravens, you know, they've got a lot of players to pay. They got to pay Lamar Jackson. They got to pay Mark Andrews. They got to pay Marlon Humphrey. They might be feeling a little pressure to trade Orlando Brown. So uh, obviously, you know, this, everybody was asking me about it. At first I was against it. Now I'm kind of on board. Uh, Tyler, what do you make of the Chargers potentially trading for Orlando Brown uh, and maybe bolstering the offensive line that way instead of drafting an offensive tackle at with the number 13 overall pick. Oh, instead of the number 13. Well, okay. If they don't give up the 13th overall pick to get him, I'd be more on board. If they have to give up the 13th to get him, I'm not super on board. I know Brown's a little bit more proven, but at this point, like I like enough guys at 13, or if they trade back 18, whatever, that I'd still want that offensive lineman. If you can do it for a third, pull the trigger immediately. I don't think that's going to happen, but if you yeah. can do it for a third, do it immediately. Um, if you can do it for a second, do it as well. Is is Leatherwood or Hudson going to be a better tackle than Brown? Like maybe not. Um, you know, if you can get Brown via trade, then you can go interior at 13. Yeah. You know, go Rayshon Slater, who at this point, upon further review, I do have him over Christian Darasaw. Um, although Darasaw, I think, will be a better tackle, and the Chargers would take Darasaw over Slater. If they're only considering tackle, different story, different time. Um, if for some reason Mike Williams is involved in that trade, and I know you brought that up, it's unfortunate. It's less the player, really, and it's just more like that cap hit for me. Yeah. The honest truth is Mike Williams has never had more than 50 catches in a season, you know, 151 catches in four years. That's 62 behind Nelson Aguilar in four Ooh. years. You know, so you can't pay a huge salary to like Malcolm Floyd. We liked Malcolm Floyd a lot. Huge, you know, amazing Chargers legend. But you can't, you know, he's an undrafted free agent who was most definitely not the seventh overall pick in a draft. You just can't afford Williams anymore. So if you can do some sort of package. Now, if the Ravens have cap issues and they take on Williams, that probably doesn't work out. But it's if you extend him, that's maybe less expensive than extending Brown. I don't know. But if you can find some way to do like a second in Williams or a second, I don't know. You'd have to show me the trade package. What I'm trying to say is as long as it's not the first, I'm for it. I think. 
Yeah, I think that the trade package would probably be like something like a second and a third round pick, maybe. Uh, I think that that's kind of where you could start. And they do have an extra third round pick this year because the compensatory Rivers pick. So that kind of works out from that angle. Uh, I would not trade a first round pick for him just because, yeah, I, I think you have to take whoever the best young tackle is. Um, for me, it's not so much trading for him that I think is the issue more than like, yeah. how does that fit in financially? Cause we don't really know that yet because we don't know if they have some prepared move in free agency. You know, they've been linked to like Thune or Lindsley, um, you know, guys like that, that Telesco might go after, after, you know, going big in free agency in previous years. Um, you know, what are they going to do with Trey Turner? What are they going to do with, you know, that whole Tevi Feeney lamp portion of their line? Are they going to resign them? So I don't know. I just think there's so many questions that I, you know, it's hard to say whether Orlando Brown would fit until I see the rest of what they do. I definitely like him as a talent. Um, And he's 25 versus, you know, some of the free agent offensive linemen are like 28, 29, 30. So that's definitely a better age um, to go get a guy at. And, you know, you have kind of a sustained four or five year period with him where he's really good. So and he can develop further. So I like it from that angle. Um, I think he's been pretty good in Baltimore. And he was, you know, once Ronnie Stanley went down, like, he was such a huge part for them. And that's when the Ravens started winning a lot of those games because they find, you know, um, obviously Ronnie Stanley is awesome, but like they, you know, needed someone to be able to uh, just take his role. And that's really hard because Ronnie Stanley is amazing. So the fact that he was able to do that and convert from right tackle this year, uh, that was pretty great. Uh, So I definitely like the prospects of getting him. I just think that you need to see how everything else plays out before, you know, I really gel with the idea one way or the other. Yeah. You know, I think that's a good call because his obviously for this season, this is his last, uh, the last year of his rookie contract. So whoever trades for him uh, is going to have to extend him. Uh, uh, Whether that's the Ravens holding on to him or someone else trading for him, he has to get an extension this year. He deserves it. Like, I mean, you you don't not extend a player like him who's been to the Pro Bowl back-to-back years at offensive tackle. And, you know, I, I'm fully aware that Pro Bowl evaluations is is a little tricky sometimes. Uh, but, you know, the fact that he's been to the Pro Bowl two years in a row is, is definitely something that works in his favor. I do think he could be a very top-tier left tackle in the league. He's got all the skill sets. You know, he's 6'8". He's got great size, great mobility. Um, you know, and, and last year at right tackle, he gave up, you know, the, the third fewest pressures in the league of any offensive tackle. So, you know, we've seen the production production from him. Now that extension is going to get pricey for whoever gets him or whether the Ravens do it or not, it's going to be pricey. So in terms of the chargers, you trade for him and then you get, you work an extension out. And then after this season, you probably would have to cut Brian Bulaga to make that extension work, you know, not extend Mike Williams, but those are decisions that, you know, if I, if I have to choose between a pro bowl left tackle and a receiver, like Tyler said, who, you know, we love him, you know, what he does is fantastic, but he's not, he's not even a pro bowl receiver. Like, you know, the value there is definitely in favor of Orlando Brown. Um, so I, I think if the chart, if the Ravens decide to trade him, I think the Chargers should absolutely be on line one uh, and then figure out the rest later. 
if you can go ahead and let's say trade him, let's say it's a second, and we'll just call it a second for now. You know, I don't, I don't think Casey Harrod or Chris Harris are going to be here after this year anyway. So I don't even know, like, you know, a lot of guys to pay really in 2022. Yeah. Like, I think you're going to be okay. His cap hit this year is what, like, a million and a half dollars or something. Yeah, it's very low for this year. I think it might even be less than that. Yeah. So eat that this year. You know, I do think both DBs are returning, and then I think you can just make it work moving forward. Like you said, just don't extend Williams or trade him or cut him. Whatever happens, um, there are things you can do to make it work. If you have to cut Balaga, so be it. Uh, it sucks that we're in this position. You know, I wish the Chargers had done better drafting offensive linemen. Yeah. But, you know, you can get a guy like Brown. Go for it. The only guy that I can think of that they might have to pay 2022 is Derwin. I guess yeah. if he has the if he has a really good year this year, um, you know, and stays healthy, I would imagine that he's the guy they have to pay. But, you know, other than that, it's not a lot and it is kind of workable in some ways. Yeah, you know, getting your franchise left tackle, whether that's in the draft at 13, which right now it, it seems like the most likely outcome, or getting it through trade with Orlando Brown, I think that's a good alternative. Um, you know, when in terms of looking at past trades, you know, I tweeted this out, but I think the Dwayne Brown trade from Houston to Seattle is probably like the blueprint for Orlando Brown Jr. Um, obviously, the Laramie Tunsil trade was outrageous and, you know, involved Tunsil and Kenny Stills and like seven draft picks. So that's not going to happen. But, um, you know, the the initial offer for or the initial reported trade for Dwayne Brown was a second round pick, a fifth round pick. And Jeremy Lane, who was a corner who was going to start for Houston, ended up failing his physical. So Seattle sent a third round pick uh, in return. So if you're doing a second and a third. Like if you're sending that third round pick, that's the compensatory pick. I think you do that without a doubt. And then you at 13, you could take Elijah Vera Tucker, Rayshon Slater if he's there, start them at guard for one year, and then cut Brian Bulaga, move that draft pick over to right tackle. And then you have Orlando Brown, left tackle, Slater, Vera Tucker, right tackle. <laughs> and like that's the best tackle situation the Chargers have had since Marcus McNeil and Jeremy Clary, man. Like, that would be an amazing outcome. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I think 100% if Orlando Brown is available for trade, I think the Chargers should be on line one and make it happen. You're also hoping that he hasn't peaked yet. You know, I think Dwayne yeah. Brown, look, I don't, I don't watch the Seahawks. I don't cover their team. <laughs> but according to Pro Football Focus, I believe his better years came with the Seahawks. Yeah. I think everyone's better years come after the Texans anyway. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I mean, that'd be great. Like if you could not only get him for, I'll say a second or second and a third, and then he's actually starting to peak now with the chargers. Yeah. I mean, you would pay that 10 out of 10 times. Absolutely. Second and third for a guy who's about to become an all pro elite tackle, like pfft, get him. Yeah. I, I think it makes a lot of sense to get him, especially the last couple of years with just like, you know, trying to get ourselves to buy into Tevi fully and all these other kind of left tackle, right tackle solutions <laughs> we've, we've sort of got ourselves to buy into over time. It, it just yeah. Orlando Brown would be kind of a, a breath of fresh air in that regard. And I would totally uh, be down for a second or third round pick or second plus Mike Williams, you know, whatever, whatever they want to do. I, I would be down for getting a tackle of, of that caliber. Yeah. You know, there's going to be a lot of speculation over the next month, but once that new league year starts in March, man, I cannot wait to see what the Chargers have in store because, you know, I think 
this year there, it just feels like there's a greater sense of urgency to get things right. Uh, and that starts with the offensive line. It really does. And I know people keep asking me like, what about Jalen Waddle at 13? No, stop it. (laughs) You need to fix the offensive line. That is priority. Number one, number two, number three, number four, and number five, this off season, you have to protect Justin Herbert. And, you know, whether that's getting him rookies or free agency, you know, Alex mentioned Joe Thune or, or Lindsley, you have to fix the offensive line this year. That is priority number one over getting him another weapon. He's got plenty of weapons. He needs an offensive line. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, the the thing is like, okay, well, what if, you know, X player falls? It's like, yeah, but it's like, I don't know if Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddell fell. It's like. I'm not really, they're kind of set at wide receiver. I mean, obviously we talk about like Mike Williams and maybe trading him or releasing him, but like, then there's guys you can get on the free agent market that become available. Right. So, you know, if that situation plays out, then I I don't really think that you kind of need to go grab a receiver. Um, I I definitely want to take a receiver and maybe round three, four, uh, somewhere around that range. But it would just be kind of a waste of pick to get, you know, especially when Keenan Allen's still going to be here for four more years. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it just doesn't make sense to draft someone you're projecting to be another number one top flight receiver. Yeah. And I'm just so over the, the Jalen model thing. There, <laughs> there is not much, honestly, other yeah. than faster and a better athlete. There really isn't much, in my opinion that Jalen Waddle can do more than like Tyron Johnson. And I know that I'm going to get so much shit for that, but I think Tyron Johnson improved enough where yeah. he can take a freaking drag over the middle and take it to the house. Like a Jalen Waddle. Like I believe that play against was like a, was it a post against the Falcons? Like that's all Jalen Waddle really is able to run. There are plays where Jalen Waddle like four plays in a row. Well, he'll take like a screen pass or a swing route or a handoff, whatever go for like two yards. Like I'm just not, I'm not into the whole Jalen Waddle thing. I have, like 15 players ahead of Jalen Waddle in this draft graded. And I'm not done grading, you know, some of these guys. And I'm not even included quarterbacks yet. Like, I'm not into the whole Jalen Waddle thing. Sorry, I'm totally out. <laughs> I can't watch the Chargers get just like, if you want to re- tell me what receiver, any receiver in the league that would have made the Chargers win in 2018 in New England. Like, I would have so rather had a better offensive line at yep. that point than a receiver. Last year, you know, Justin Herbert, I mean, I don't think the Chargers would have won because of an offensive lineman or a receiver anyway, but like they clearly didn't need another weapon against the Patriots or the Dolphins. You know, they needed an offensive line. I just can't believe that you, if you want Jalen Waddle and Jalen, like really Jalen Waddle, if you want him, you cannot bitch about the offensive line <laughs> because that's just so, that's so, yeah. I can't, I can't stand when fans are like, the offensive line sucks. Tom Lusco sucks. But Jalen Waddle's available. Like he's the best player available. Not only is he not the best player available, in my opinion, but it's a complete waste. I'm I'm just so over the Jalen Waddle thing. He's oh, not right. that great, guys. He's good. He'll be good, but like he's not that great. And someone's like, well, what about Tyreek Hill? Like Tyreek Hill is with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid with a good offensive line. Like that's a really great situation. The Chargers just have Herbert yeah. right now. I don't think that they can replicate what Tyreek Hill does because they definitely don't have Andy Reid. I was a big fan of that rant, man. I love that. Uh, and if if anyone wants to give Tyler heat for the Tyron Johnson thing, Tyron Johnson was a five star recruit. He was a top five receiver. Like, thank you. It just didn't work out in college. Like that just kind of happens. He got hurt at LSU, transferred to Oklahoma State, was behind Tylen Wallace, 
he ran like a four three eight at his pro day. Like Tyron Johnson is fast. We saw him burn people all up and down the field. So, you know, if you put Tyron Johnson at Alabama and getting all those targets, I think you probably are looking at us at a similar player, honestly. Uh, so I don't hate that. Um, Alex, any other thoughts before we move on to the senior bowl? Uh, if you want to Tyreek Hill, go with uh, Anthony Schwartz, <laughs> my guy. Go. I mean, he he's the one that runs real fast. I, I just think if you want a speed guy, like there's plenty of other options to to go yeah. get than like Jalen Waddle. Like shit. Like I mean, John Ross doesn't have a job. He runs fast. I mean, <laughs> it, really it, fast. He, yeah, he runs really fast, and he costs no money. You know, like I I I think you could grab him if you wanted to get like a wide receiver four or five you know or something like that i just, I just think Jalen waddle i don't know he's like towards the end of like my top five uh receivers and mm-hmm. i'm not taking yeah. that guy with the number 13 pick right. with all of the other needs that the chargers have at offensive line at cornerback i mean there's really like five positions that i would think about at number 13 before getting to wide receiver yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I've been offensive liner bust, and I, I will continue to be that way. That being said, like if Kyle Pitts were there, I would think about it for like five seconds, and then I would go <laughs> turn in the card for an offensive tackle because, you know, I, I think that's what it comes down to. You got to protect Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's get back to the senior bowl and, and wrap this episode up with some winners from this week. You know, I, I was a big fan of a few of these guys. I thought watching practice, the offensive line group looked really good. Um, you know, I'm not even going to mention some of the guys like Aaron Banks and Robert Hainsley from Notre Dame who did really well for themselves. Um, I think for me, the biggest winners uh, were the small school tackles. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, Deontay Smith from East Carolina and Dylan Radunes from North Dakota State. I thought both of them did really, really well this week. Uh, both of them took reps at guard, show some versatility, uh, and, and they did fantastic all week long. They went up against you know, Boogie Basham and and Quincy Roche and did really well. Uh, and so I think, you know, in terms of winners, I, I, I'm going to start with those two, with with Dylan Radunes and Deontay Smith from East Carolina. I thought they were fantastic. Dylan Radunes might have played himself into, like, the back end of a first-round pick because he honestly, like, he looked amazing. I was a little concerned watching his tape about just, like, his physical ability against bigger, stronger competition. But watching him go up against guard is – guard watching him go to guard and move defensive tackles off the ball. I thought it was fantastic. And I thought Radunes earned himself a lot of money this weekend. Yeah. I think Radunes, like the, the issue with him, I guess, heading into the senior role process was he didn't have a 2020 season. Right. Whereas yeah. a lot of these other guys had 2020 tape, but to me, like he showed in practice in the game, like he can play with these guys. Absolutely. And that, that was just, I guess what people were looking for. And that's why I think, yeah, he'll go end of the first round, definitely beginning of the second round. Uh, I guess another winner I would have is Amari Rogers. Um, I thought he did a really good job. I, I had questions sort of about his um, size, but you know, he's definitely, I think earned the ability to be kind of a plug and play uh, wide uh, or slot guy. Uh, I think he, is able to make difficult catches uh, and is able to break away pretty easily. Um, I'm, I was impressed by what he did this week. Um, as far as another winner, <laughs> I, I guess the other winner has to be uh, Quinn Meneers from uh, Wisconsin and Whitewater from, from a personality standpoint, um, you know, and what he's got, but also the fact that, you know, he is, he does have a lot of um, determination and grit in his reps 
he just goes uh, back and forth with a lot of these guys. Um, I, I was impressed by what I saw from him. I don't know how high he'll go in the draft, but he, I think he definitely earned himself a draft spot for sure. Yeah, real quick. Sorry, Tyler, but Quinn Miners, he was not even on the board at the Draft Network website, at Pro Football Network, at Pro Football Focus. He's like the rise of Quinn Miners is going to be crazy because I saw some <laughs> analysts saying that he might be like a back end of the second, third round pick. He wasn't even on the board. Like there was no yeah. buzz. Wow. And if Landon Dickerson had not torn his ACL, Quinn Miners was not going to play in the senior bowl. So oh, wow. Quinn Miners yeah. went and had himself a week. And, you know, I'm glad that Alex mentioned him because I think he is like the biggest winner of this weekend. Yeah, I agree. He ended up being the top offensive lineman on the national team. I thought, I, I well, look, it's D3. I watched one game of his and that was his <laughs> D3 semifinal versus St. John's. I hate Okay, some of these schools need to do a better job promoting their prospects and getting some buzz around them. I know scouts yeah. don't care and they have whole different sets of film, but like cut up some tape for you guys. I don't yeah. want us to have to sit through two and a half hours of D3 semifinals versus St. John's just to figure <laughs> out how this guy plays. That being said, what do you want to see when you watch D3 guys? That he dominates his guys. You know, but I thought, okay, you know, of course he's supposed to be dominating his guys. I thought sometimes he was even too aggressive and lunging. I'm like, oh man, I don't know if that's going to hold up. But then he goes this weekend or this past week, and plays amazing. The reps that he takes, I thought he had the most dominant practice reps. I didn't watch the game, but his practice reps were incredible. And now you're elevating the talent that's against him, and he looks just as dominant, if not better. I'm not taking him in the second round if I'm the Chargers, but you put him in the third round, and I'll go for it. And listen, I don't care that Trey Pipkins hasn't worked out so far and probably won't work out. You know, it's almost like the scout the player, not the helmet sort of thing, or scout the player, not the, the conference. Like, yeah, you should be worried. You know, you want to do your due diligence and check how they do, talk to him and whatnot. But, you know, I'm not going to pass on him just because Trey Pipkins didn't also work out because he was a D3 guy. Yeah. This guy, I think, has legit potential. Don't take him early. Don't take him in the second. I think I'd probably take him in the third at this point, sort of in that Trey Pipkins range. Um, so, yeah, I thought he had the he had the biggest weekend for me personally because he had the most to prove to me. And he he did really well. Like you said, he's not even on the freaking draft board. Which is strange, but the fact that yeah. he was on the, now he's, I'm sure they're going to adjust that. Can they do uh, that? Yeah. Yeah. They'll, yeah. they'll adjust it for sure. Yeah. So big win for him. Another one for me would be Des Fitzpatrick out of Louisville. Uh, yeah, when I first started watching cool. him, okay. Another complaint to the YouTube people, because uh, we don't have all 22. <laughs> uh, whoever cuts up this film, like sometimes they'll start their full games at like third and nine, and I'll miss some of the plays before. I don't know who's doing that, but it's really, really <laughs> frustrating to watch these guys. Second thing. Uh, when I watched Jess Fitzpatrick, because I found out who Tutu Atwell was. Um, awesome. I love yeah, Tutu. No, amazing. I can't wait to watch him next. But anyway, watching Fitzpatrick, I was surprised. Okay, I'll start with this. I was surprised to see how well he could run his routes for 6'2". Um, he's a fairly tall guy. He's uh, so he's 6'2". Uh, I don't think he's as good at running routes like a Kadarius Tony. Um, but it's intriguing for sure. There's a point where he took a, like I think against Boston College, he took a 69-yard screen or a screen for 69 yards to the house. Um, and his long stride just helped open him up on these, you know, the deep curls and comes backs because the corner has no choice, but to try and play off of him or keep up. And then Ben Fennel, who we just had on the show said um, that Fitzpatrick drew seven defensive pass interferences the last two seasons. That totally makes sense based on that long stride and what he's able to do in the routes he can yeah. run like that. That's pretty fantastic. Now I say I was surprised to see how well he could run routes for being six two. that completely changed 
went because today I watched Kyle Pitts and a guy with stricken six, six like that, who can run those routes. It's unreal. I finally got to watch him. So I was impressed with Fitzpatrick, but then watching some six, six tight end run <laughs> routes even better. was so impressive. Anyway, I thought Des had a really good um, senior ball for sure. Yeah. And he had one of the better games. He had the best game of any receiver. You know, I thought Amari Rogers, who Alex mentioned played really well too, but you know, to me, I look at a Desmond Fitzpatrick, like a Gabriel Davis in Buffalo, like someone who's not going to wow you like physically, but he's just going to be a really solid route runner, really nice hands, really physical presence. And so I, I think he's going to be a, a fine mid round pick for some teams. So I want to talk about some of these pass rushers next. Um, I think everybody kind of knew who Quincy Roche was. Uh, I, I think as a three, four outside linebacker, he would be a perfect fit for the chargers in the second round. Uh, I do think that he helped himself enough this week to uh, warrant consideration in the second round. I've seen a bunch of mocks where he ends up being in the third round selection. I think he earned himself a second round selection at this point. Um, But I want to talk about Cameron Sample, the defensive tackle slash defensive end at Tulane. Um, You know, the NFL right now is all about finding versatile, versatile pass rushers who can do, you know, a bunch of different things. And that's what he did at Tulane. That's what he did this week rotating between the three technique defensive tackle five technique defensive end and it didn't really matter who he was going up against like he was winning reps he was dominating in the team sessions he had a really good game um and he's a little undersized to be like a pure defensive tackle he's someone that you would probably want to rotate around but his hands like he's got such violent and fast hands for for someone that size i think he he, uh is listed at 285 and like six two or three so, like I said, he's a little undersized, but, you know, we saw what Brandon Staley was able to do with a guy like Morgan Fox, who's very similar to the body type of a Cameron sample. Um, and, and, you know, if you're looking there in the third round to get a potential pass rusher impact player, I think Cameron sample did enough this weekend to warrant consideration there. And then Carlos Boogie Basham, man, he was amazing. Like he was so freaking good in one-on-one reps. Uh, and you know, I'm all aboard. He was one of my favorite players to watch on tape. Uh, and this week watching him in practice, just the motor, the violence that he rushes with, uh, you know, it's funny that his nickname is boogie because he plays football, like boogie cousins plays basketball, just wants to dominate everybody. Uh, so those three guys I thought had really good weeks as pass rushers. Uh, the, the other pass rusher that I really liked watching the game was uh, Ellerson Smith yeah. from uh, Northern Iowa. And I, because I, I, I watched his game first and he was kind of like all over the field. Um, I thought he did a really good job there. But then you sort of saw, you know, what he did in practice this week. And it was just really impressive. Uh, he had that one rep, I think, on uh, Hudson from Cincinnati where he beats yep. him uh, with the arm over. Then he had kind of a swim move technique on another guy. Um, I just thought he was kind of a really good, technician um and i think that that's someone the chargers could kind of use uh in a staley offense i don't know if he would be probably not a day one starter but i I think that he has a lot of interesting potential uh pretty big too uh for for his size i I think that he's um he's an intriguing prospect i didn't really know much about him before Uh, i watched the senior bowl stuff but i see why he kind of gets a lot of hype now I have not watched any of these guys, so I'll take your word for it, and I can't wait to get into them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, James Hudson is another one, man. I I thought James Hudson was fantastic, and his technique needs a lot of work. I'm going to say that now for everybody because that's going to be, like, the main thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned Quinn Miners and lunging. Like, Hudson does that. 
Mm-hmm. But he's played offensive tackle for 12 games in his career. Like he was a defensive tackle at Michigan and he moves to offensive tackle and Cincinnati and he plays just the bowl game in 2019. And then last season, which was obviously a, a shortened season. So the physical tools and the physical upside with him is insane. And so if you're looking for somebody to, I think he probably needs to sit a year uh, to learn behind somebody. So I, I could see a team like the Chiefs who have two really good tackles, Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz, mm-hmm. taking a chance on Hudson and maybe, you know, letting him sit by any year. The Packers are another one with Bakhtiari and Billy Turner. Uh, the Saints, if they're able to, if they decide to make that first round pick and not trade back, you know, I could see a team like that take him in the first round or another team take him in the second round and, you know, get a very high upside, you know, offensive tackle who has tons of room to grow. You, you think they can get him? You think he's going in the first round potentially at the back end of the first round? I could see it. I, I, I wow. think he's going to be a second yeah. round player, mm-hmm. um, but I could see it being a very similar situation to uh, Titus Howard. Titus Howard, or what was his name from Georgia last year that went to the Titans? I forget Wilson? his name. Isaiah yeah, Wilson. Wilson. Isaiah Wilson. Thank you. Um, you know, I, I could definitely see someone looking at those physical tools and, and you know saying, you know what, we need to make sure that we always have a quality offensive tackle. And mm-hmm. you know, the Chiefs are not going to be able to keep Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher. Like they're going to have to choose. So yeah, I, I could certainly see them uh, doubling down on off and an offensive tackle this year. Yeah, and if the Chargers go off as a tackle, left tackle in round one, you're more than welcome to go Hudson round two. Like, that's fine. If you want to sit behind Balaga for a year, yeah, or whatever it takes, fine by me. Yeah, I think as long as, you know, they sort of can play it out, like get your starting tackle, right? Or your yeah. starting guard in round one, and then mm-hmm. you can get a developmental guy in round two. Uh, maybe like a, a Radunes uh, or someone like that. Uh, I think that that's a, a really good strategy. And like, you know, people have talked to uh, people talk to me about like, oh, well, you know, I don't want Redunes or some other guy from a small school because he's Pipkins. But I'm like, you got to judge each guy individually, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, yeah. not just because you know, yeah, Pipkins was also playing in Sioux Falls, not at like the most <laughs> respected FCS school in the country yeah. um, in uh, North Dakota State. So. I, I think that you just got to judge every prospect by their own film. And I really don't view Verdunes, I guess, as a developmental guy. Uh, I don't think he has a lot to develop on. The reason people say that is because he didn't play in 2020. But like, I don't think there's like a lot that he actually needs to develop in his game. Yeah, you know, I think Verdunes would be able to be a starter, whether that be at, you know, guard or, or tackle. Like, you know, if they take Elijah Vera Tucker at 13, and then they get Redunes in round two, which I don't think that Redunes is going to be there at pick 45. I think he's going to go earlier than that. Um, but if you go Vera Tucker or Slater at 13, play them at guard, and then you get Redunes to play left tackle, I think that's a good situation. Um, they were talking about this during the game on Saturday, but uh, Redunes hasn't lost a football game in like five years. <laughs> like, yeah. like he, he's gone undefeated every single year at North Dakota State. His senior year at high school, they went undefeated and won the state championship in Minnesota, I think. So, you know, <laughs> he was talking about it. He's like, yeah, I don't even know what, like, losing a game feels like anymore. I just uh, – I've always been a winner. And it's like, dude, like, that's so crazy. Like, I know it's FCS, but, you know, the way that North so, Dakota State wins games is just insane. Well, Easton Stick's a winner, so, you know. <laughs> he won a lot of games. I think he only lost, like, what, two games or something? So, yeah, you know, they, they've got footsteps. Through- yeah, they've gone through uh, like 
three straight quarterbacks that have gone drafted now because of yeah. uh, Wednesday and now Lance, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, North Dakota State has kind of uh, been blowing up over the last five years. Yeah, absolutely. And and they they could have two first-round picks this year, you know, which is just <laughs> crazy to me. And I totally agree. Like, you know, Trey Pipkins and Dylan Radunes could not be more different as prospects. So, right. uh, and same with Quinn Miners, frankly. So, um, all right, guys, any other thoughts before we wrap up today's show? Uh, one quick guy I want to mention is Cornell Powell. I just got to watch him today. I'm not too far into it. Um, a guy who really kind of had to wait his turn to get some sort of chance. Yeah. And then this year, it took him what, half the season. Um, but towards the, I think the last five or whatever games of the year, against, you know, three of them against top five teams, he had like 118 yards per game. So a guy I wouldn't take until day three, but certainly an interesting guy. Uh, a lot of different tools that I really like um, that the Chargers can maybe pick up instead of taking Waddle. <laughs> Alex, any other thoughts before we wrap up? Uh, no, I mean, you know, it was a good um, senior bowl week. This is kind of the first time I've like looked real in depth at the senior bowl. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fun to watch it and, you know, credit to uh, Jim Nagy and, and all the people that made that Absolutely. event go through, you know, doing 3,600 COVID tests and all that is insane. Wow. Uh, and then making it go through despite all the conditions. So that would be uh, my uh, winner of the week. Yeah, absolutely. Good call. I, I can't believe like nothing. It went out. It went off without a hitch. And and that's just crazy considering, you know, how many teams NFL teams struggled with COVID this year. And to get uh, I want to say the total number was like 140 prospects. You get them all in one place. And I think they had one false positive test like they didn't even have an actual positive test. So definitely credit to to them. Um, I, I will mention here. I've been putting up some videos on our Patreon page, uh, some one-on-one reps from some offensive linemen and tight ends. I'm going to continue to do that uh, over the next few days and and get some people out there. And, you know, this is a great chance for you guys to look at some prospects that could potentially realistically be chargers next year, because, you know, Tom Telesco traditionally drafts three or four players from the senior bowl. And I think without the combine and without the seasons and without all this uncertainty, I think it stands to reason that Telesco could draft five or six this year from the senior bowl. So uh, definitely you want to pay attention to the names that were there in mobile this week, because I think that's going to be some, a very good resource for teams and specifically the chargers. Yeah. Stop sleeping uh, on Kadarius, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> stop sleeping on Kadarius, Tony, man. Oh, that drives me nuts. Yeah. Uh, Dylan, Dylan Radunes won the overall practice player of the week. The last person who won overall practice player of the week, Justin Herbert. There we go. Who's and, before uh, that? Oh God, who the fuck knows? <laughs> Drew Locke or something. They were also talking. They were also talking about it too because Daniel Jones won MVP two years uh. ago, and he went six overall. <laughs> and then Justin Herbert won MVP, and he went six overall. And the MVP this year was Kellen Mond. So uh, I don't think Eagles he's going. At, I don't think he's Eagles going six Mond at six. <laughs> Even haven't you been scouting Kellen Mond for two years? Yeah, last year. <laughs> yeah, so last year I, I foolishly didn't check the, if he had declared or not, and I ranked him in my top 10 quarterbacks, and then uh, he went back to school. So that was fun. <laughs> you know, shit happens, I guess. <laughs> shit happens. Uh, God, right, I got to say, I got to say, all of the quarterbacks, like, except Kellen Mond, who played in that game, and Kellen Mond is, like, fine, I guess. Yeah. They're all garbage that like so Felipe franks and ellinger i don't want to ever have to watch ellinger play football ever again 
I'm oh, so God, glad. Who's the guy I was watching? I don't think he went to the senior ball. His name's Garantano. That guy oh, was guaranteed, yeah. guaranteed to fucking piss me off. I hated watching him. Yeah. Anyway, ignore it. No, last year I graded like 25 quarterbacks, and I don't even Steven. think I'm, I don't think I'm gonna get to like even 10 this year. Like, I'm just not gonna do it. Like, honestly, after Mac Jones and Kellen Mond, it's just a bunch of shit. Like Ian Book will probably go in like the third round just because of need. <laughs> and honestly, like Ian Book would I don't want any part of it. And so I'm I'm not gonna do it. So this this quarterback class outside of the really outside of the big two is just not my favorite. And I'm so glad that the Chargers have their guy right now and are not sitting at 13 needing a quarterback because that would be a disaster. Yeah, fans wanted us to wait, not us, the Chargers to wait. I mean, I did kind of too. So I guess yeah. I can just say that. But yeah, I mean, being at 13 and getting stuck with Mac Jones. Like, I think Mac Jones could be a good pro, man, but like he's got to land in a good situation. Yeah. Like he, he, he's got to land in a place. Like I think if the New Orleans Saints drafted Mac Jones, I think that would be a great situation for him. Um, but, you know, like if he goes to the Patriots, man, like that's not going to go well because the Patriots have their best offensive player would be like, you know, Jacoby Myers is their best receiver. And I would rather have Tyron Johnson than Jacoby Myers. Like it's bad in New England right now. Imagine if like Mac Jones was trapped into the Chargers running. <laughs> He's a five uh five second forty yard dash behind this offensive line. <laughs> like, oh man. Jesus. <laughs> oh man. Uh, well, all right, guys. This was a good show. Hopefully you were able to learn something about some of these prospects. And I'm really interested to see how that Orlando Brown situation pans out. So let us know in the comments what you thought of this episode. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, like the video. If you're listening to this episode, leave us a review. I always mention this, but if you ever have a question for us, uh, you know, we do answer questions from the comments, from the reviews. So make sure you leave a question there. If you have one, um, this was fantastic. We're going to do our Patreon Q and Q and a this week. So if you are on our Patreon page, make sure you hit us up with a question. If you are not on our Patreon page, make sure you hit us up there. And we are also going to do a giveaway later this month for our Patreon supporters. All right, guys, that'll do it for today's show. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next time. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com